Well, there have been more polls in this campaign than anyone can remember in the past, sometimes two, even three a day. Does that skew stories and tactics? Let's find out the insider's perspective. Jamie, Kathleen and David are all here in studio tonight. Polls, as we said, more, more than ever before. Uh, what is the impact? What, what are you guys thinking when there's poll after poll after poll and the media does get caught up with it? Kathleen. Well, it's true. Um, national horse race polls do have a disproportionate effect on media coverage, for sure, in shaping the media narrative. And what's, what's unfortunate about that is that those kind of polls don't actually account for things like voter concentration or vote efficiency. So um, the way you tell the story is, you know, if, you're, if you take a seat in Nova Scotia, for example, if you're getting 45 percent in that seat, you could be getting 75 percent in that seat all of a sudden, but you still only, in our current system at least, only gain one seat. So it doesn't really actually tell a story. So it's up to us, political insiders, uh, when the media shape a narrative like that, to actually talk to them and sit them down and, and talk about the math on how you actually get to form a government. What's the path to victory, so to speak? Does that have an impact? when you sit down and talk to me? Well, you know, I sat down, I did a, what we called a charm offensive uh, in 2008 um, before the election, where we were worried, um, this was, you know, Jack Layton's, uh, one of, not his last campaign, but the campaign before that. We went into all the news bureaus across the country to actually talk to them about, this is the path to victory for the New Democrats, and this is where we gain. And obviously, it's hard when you're talking to journalists that are largely based either in the Ottawa Press Gallery or in Toronto headquarters of the various broadcast centres, and you're talking to them about a story that's happening on the ground in BC or in Quebec mm -hmm. and they may not have experience in those regions or really know the political landscape. Jamie, where are you on this? Well, I mean, it depends what the, where you are and what the poll's telling, right? If so, if you've been having a lackluster campaign and all of a sudden you get a good poll result, that's great. If you're having a good campaign and get a bad one, not so great. Really different impact on three groups of people. The people you're trying to persuade, the supporters you're trying to keep with you, and the people that are working inside your campaign. So especially if you get a bad poll, that's the time when you have the secret internal poll that you just wrote on the back I, of a I, I'm not really allowed to tell you this, Peter, but you see, this is what our internal numbers are telling us. <laughs> that really happened? Yes, of course it does. <laughs> and it works. Uh, well, I mean, it has a, a, quite an interesting impact internally on a campaign, um, good or bad, but especially bad. I've, I've certainly uh, seen that. The number of polls on the out, the, the number of polls now are shaping the public electorate as the way that, uh, the way that Kathleen said. But internally, what you need, what I've always done is frankly to keep the cohesiveness of the team. I've been very open and honest with people about what the internal numbers are because at least then your team can trust you and know that the things you're doing are right, that the strategies or tactics that you're employing make sense and everybody hangs together because the last thing you need is, and these external polls are, when Nanos first came out with the first person to do daily tracking, that was like crack for people. Right. Um, <laughs> but the internal management of it is quite something. My, my most recent example was the night before the Ontario election uh, when I had been assuring uh, Premier Wynne for the last week or so that she was going to win the election. A polling company, a major polling company came out the night before the election saying that we were going to lose and I got this hot call from the premier uh, and her partner saying what the what is going on and I had to spend like an hour on the phone going through polling methodology <laughs> with them and explaining the different results and so they, they constitute an internal management issue for sure. Is this worse than any campaign you can remember for this in terms of the numbers of polls? 
Well, I haven't done a count, but I'm sure there are more polls mm -hmm. coming out from all the daily tracking. Like uh, like David mentioned, everyone wakes up at 6 a.m. in the morning and is refreshed, refreshed, refreshed to make sure those numbers come out. But I, I think that David made an interesting point, but, and, and Jamie as well, about the impact on the campaign, but both positive and negative. I mean, I can tell you a story from 2011. You know, at this point in the campaign in 2011, you know, Jack Layton was written off. We were at 15 percent in the polls. We were going nowhere. So how did we keep going? Well, we certainly did. The team keep, kept fighting, kept on putting out our message. We believed in Jack. We believed in the work we were doing. And slowly the numbers ticked up. Um, you know, similarly, but when you're getting a good result and you're high, you know, in the polls, you also have to kind of keep your nose to the grindstone and keep on working hard and not getting distracted by, um, you know. Peter, you would remember in the 1980 campaign, Yes. There were so few polls that I think it was about a week to go and Gallup came out with a poll that showed the Liberals with a 20-point lead over Clark's Conservatives. Turned out to be significantly wrong from the final result. And they felt the need to bring Alan Gregg, their pollster, out right. to speak to the media to refute the Gallup poll because there was not going to be another public poll between that Gallup poll and Election Day. That was the scenario back then. There might be two or three polls released publicly in the course of an entire campaign. Now, as you say, we get that in a day. And many of them are worth what they're paid for. Right, and I think yeah. the result well, is to watch. <laughs> right, there's so many polls. You got a poll now to tell you and confirm whatever your proposition is uh, or whatever your, your belief is. And I think that's actually become a problem. And there's such a wide variety of methodology. There's such a wide variety of reliability. And so consequence of which I think it's beginning to be a bit of a wash. But that's why something like the CBC's poll tracker, I think is useful to a lot of people. Something. Uh, a tool that aggregates everybody's poll together. Right. And you're not just doing that to pump up the network you're on, right? <laughs> that never occurred to me. No, okay, but, but let, me, let, let me ask But this. it's a useful tool. Yeah, no, I, I, and I agree with that. I think it is a useful tool. But I've, I've always been the one here that's argued against polls. We shouldn't be doing them. Uh, this is not a bad middle ground, the aggregator poll with Eric Grenier. But let me put this um, a, a different way, which is, should there be public polling during an election campaign. This argument has played out at times before, but I wonder with the three of you, how you feel about that, knowing how you use internal polls. Do you think there should be public polls during a, a national campaign? Uh, responsible polls, absolutely. I think the electorate's entitled... What's a responsible poll? Well, one that is scientifically sound, one that has a representative sample, one that is properly drawn, one that survives... Well, who's going to determine that? ...peer review. Well, we, need, we should have a, you know, a, a peer review group, just like other professions have, that sets standards for us. And, I mean... Pollsters don't seem to be able to get together. No, they don't seem to be able to get together. But we shouldn't be able to put a... We shouldn't give the same weight to some... You know, poll with a sample of 150 versus one of 2,000, one properly, and David is, of course, the expert, proper sample drawn, proper amount of time, you know, that it's done over and so on. But, but here's the thing. If it is properly done, it's, I think people are entitled to know what other people are thinking. What do you think, Kathy? I would say that what we've seen the last few years, we've talked a lot about this on the show, right, whether it's Alberta in 2012. I mean, talk to Daniel Smith or Alison Redford mm -hmm. about how you read a poll. I mean, we've, we've had some cautionary tales. So I, I wouldn't uh, weigh in whether they, they shouldn't exist or not. I think probably Jamie's made a smart point about what kind of polls are useful. But I think we do have to take them with caution. And I do think we have to read them well. And I think that, you know, Canadians uh, have to take other proof points. So look at things like volunteers, 
fundraising numbers, talk about the number of voter IDs that are happening in a particular uh, riding. These are other pieces of information um, that actually speak to the and success of the campaign. And does the public have access to that? Well, they would have a sense, you know, if you walked into a campaign office, the volunteer wall or, for instance, you know, signs don't vote, but signage sometimes can be an indicator. Certainly, I think the party would talk about their numbers in terms of fundraising and momentum there. I like that. Signs don't vote. Signs I, don't I don't vote. know whether it's just the, the areas <laughs> I've been, but I've seen fewer signs this year than ever before. Mm -hmm. Now, there are, you know, there, there's still a couple of weeks to go and signs usually come big in the end. But uh, on the question, David, uh, uh, of polls public polls, yes or no during a campaign? In this election campaign <clears throat> that's going on right now, there's a substantial number of people voting for the NDP and a substantial number of people voting for the Liberal Party who it is more important to them that the government change and that Mr. Harper be replaced than it is whether Mr. Trudeau wins or Mr. Mulcair wins. And so therefore they care about the information that tells them who's more likely to win more than they care about many of the policy nuances. For those voters, that's an important piece of information for them to exercise their franchise the way they want to. And then it becomes incredibly important, Jamie's point. That there is right. some kind of monitoring of how the polls are done, mm. and there is some agreement on, on, on what's, a, what's a good polling method and what isn't. Because there are. I'm so, still amazed that so many journalists, so many journalists don't bother to spend, read one page of primer on polling so that they at least know what questions to ask the pollster to get some confidence level about it. There's a lot of shoddy reporting. I would layer in, in addition to what my colleagues have said, I would also layer in the fact that you also have to look at the regional realities on the ground, right? And yeah. this is really, really important that Canada um, and political parties are fighting regional battles and some parties don't even exist in some parts of Canada, right? That aren't even really at right. play. Exactly. Do you want to make a last point on no, this? I was just going to make that last point, that if we are going to report on polls, we got to make sure the polls are reliable, and then we report them out on a regional basis so that we get an accurate reflection. Horse race national numbers are actually meaningless. All right. Good discussion. Thank, Thank you. you all.